Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. Hello, everybody. I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me on this lovely evening, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. There's, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a little wine while we were waiting to record and David was working out some technical things. So I got a little ahead of where I usually am by this point in recording. So (laughs) just bear with me. There we go. Run out eventually. Well, David Luzader, you're there as well. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. I just had to take a break from my uh, from my whiteboard in which I was trying to figure out the timeline of this movie because, boy, is it kind of hard to track what year anything is happening in and at what time and at what pace and who's who and how they're all connected. I tried to explain this movie to my girlfriend and I realized that I just became the meme of Charlie Day from Always Sunny, just like pointing at different yeah. erratic <laughs> things on the whiteboard. But no, yeah. He's Warlord's son, I guess. What? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, sure. The, movie was, the movie was picked by the Netflix gods. That means every five weeks, Netflix uh, spins a wheel or we spin the Netflix wheel. And we get a random movie. It's an opportunity to watch really good things like Goodfellas. And it's an opportunity to watch really bad things like the Emoji Movie. No, the Emoji Movie was You Did This to Us. Oh, I always get those geeks confused. No, P the Ghost was Netflix roulette. Oh, perfect. Netflix God giveth and they taketh away. It's a (laughs) wonderful balance we're in. And then we're in this weird middle ground where I think you two might have hated it and I kind of loved it. Uh, I'm just not sure. I didn't hate it. It's yeah. not great. It's not great. I'll certainly preface great. the discussion <laughs> with that. Uh, but before we talk about this movie and introduce it, I do want to do some housekeeping. David, next week is Future Classics. That is a film that has come out in the last decade that we believe in some capacity will be deemed a classic many years from now. It's your pick. What are we watching? All right. So when I realized it was my time, I went back and looked at movies of 2009. Were there any movies I really wanted to make sure that I got done before this year's up since we're like fresh at the beginning? If this, you know, it's a good time to get 2009 film. And I realized 2009 was a really mediocre year for films. So I was looking at <laughs> some, some other years and trying to decide and then I came across one. I remember this was going to be one of my first, my very first future classic picks. And I figured, why not do it now? It is a movie that the year it came out, Tom Hanks called one of his favorite movies of that year uh, on a Reddit AMA. That is 2012's Looper. Ooh. I've always wanted to see this. All right. Oh, it's so good. Yes. Directed by <laughs> Ryan Johnson, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis playing the same person. Yep. Uh, it's great. Oh, it's directed by I love Ryan Johnson. I have oh, such a soft excited. spot for him. Fantastic. Oh, soft spot. Man's great. Yeah. This, I, I this just has one him. of the it it's got one of the most disturbing scenes of the implication of time travel yes, that I think I've worst, ever seen in my life. One of the worst representations of time travel ever. <laughs> it's worse than Marty McFly almost oh, banging his mom. Buddy. Oh, buddy. 
Okay. <laughs> we'll get into it. We'll get into it. All right, I'm excited. All right, Looper. We're going to be watching that next week. Looks like it's available for rent pretty much anywhere. Um, and then also, I want to go through our uh, some of the mailbag stuff that we have that has been tweeted at us in the last week. It turns out when I post things on our Twitter, people respond. Uh, <laughs> I'm not as good about our Twitter as Nicole is about our Facebook, so I'm certainly going to change that, having um, posted the Polka King and gotten responses such as uh, our good friend Phil. Check out the documentary on this lunatic as a companion to the movie. Definitely. Uh, Greg on Twitter. Jack Black did an amazing job in this movie. Uh, the combination of the carefree slash fun image of Levon in the public and his stress behind the scenes was masterful IMO. I really felt the pressure. Uh, the movie was very weirdly paced, but his and many other performances make it all worth it. Uh, love the folks moving around. Great insights. Thank you. A wonderful episode as always. And then there was someone else in here that said this movie was like creepy and uncomfortable or something like that. Oh, no, not a great flick, but crazy story. I was projecting upon them because I found the movie somewhat creepy and uncomfortable at times. Uh, so definitely, if you want to connect with us, it looks like Twitter is a better place to do that than I thought. Uh, we'll tweet out all the new episodes so you can go ahead and follow it there. But let's go. What's our, wait, wait. What's our what's our Twitter handle again? Oh, yeah. It's at Movie Go Round Pod. So no hyphens or anything like that. Movie Go Round Pod. Check it out. Follow us there and you'll have the opportunity to see all this stuff pop up. It's also a really good place, in addition to the Facebook, to vote on the You Did This To Us polls, which are every five weeks. But you didn't do this one to us. Netflix did. The Phantom of the yes. Theater. It came out in 2016. What did it say? It's a Chinese film? Uh, Yes. Hong Kong. Okay. Hong Kong. Uh, came out in 2016. An abandoned theater said to be filled with the vengeful spirits of a troop of acrobats murdered in a fire 13 years ago waits for the once grand palatial playhouse to reopen with a new show and bring in new victims. Ooh. Spooky. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a horror movie. I don't even really know if horror. that. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind it's a of a horror movie. It's a thriller. In the, sense, in the sense that The Phantom of the Opera is a horror movie. This is a horror movie. Yeah, it's a thriller, I think. I think that's a better category for it. Maybe. Sure. Uh, so this movie. Um, what is going on? <laughs> um, I feel like this is the best place to start because this movie, not only does it jump in like 10 different time periods and like three different twists, but uses like 10 different color schemes throughout. Uh, can't really decide where it lands on the score. And is ambiguous entirely in time era as an independent filmmaker makes his first movie with like a with like a rotating manual 35 millimeter camera. Well, no, it takes place in the 1930s. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. Mostly. Yeah. Except for the flashback. Right, which oh. takes place in like the nineteen, the early nineteen twenties, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh wow! I I literally thought this was present day. <laughs> oh no! 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 <laughs> oh, that explains a lot. Uh, the whole that goes to show how incredibly confusing this movie can be. It did no. I mean, I I had a moment at the beginning of this movie when they when they flashed to the. Uh, the coroner, I guess, for lack of a better term, the doctor is looking at this, you know, burned body. And I'm like, oh, is this, is this now? And she's 
like solving the mystery of this, you know, homeless guy who died on the steps of theater. So yeah, it seems like, oh, this must be now. Right. Well, also there were not a lot of, if any, uh, Chinese female. That's what I'm saying. Uh, coroners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's it's a little confusing. But do you do you want a synopsis? Because I I think I can summarize it if you want. <laughs> I think you should do a brief synopsis that way. When we go into all the batshit stuff in this movie, those who have not seen it can kind of follow. Okay, so spoilers here, and we're going in like basically in chronological order. Yeah, right? so, it's the only way to make sense. <laughs> right. So sometime in the 1920s, this family troop of acrobats plus like a couple of corollary people who are not related but are engaged to parts of the troop um so this this troop of like i don't know like a dozen acrobats arrive in the big city i i think it's shanghai i'm not 100 sure yeah that's and what it, it is yeah. it, okay so they come to perform at this theater for this army commander and his son it's his son's birthday the son's like i don't know 12 or so um and we discover later in the movie well that there's this this very pretty girl in the troop who catches the eye of the commander but the commander's already on his like fourth or fifth wife and all still at the same time they're all there together. And first wife gets notices him noticing her, gets super jealous. We find out later that the that girl went to the commander and asked if he could like take her away from this life of being a, a rural acrobat and, and give her a better one. Um, but we don't find that out till later. And as after they screw up during the show, because the fiance of the pretty girl who caught the eye of the commander, her fiance noticed all this going on, got distracted, screwed up a stunt they were doing. And so they he he dis- humiliated and dishonored the whole troop by messing this up. Um, and the commander's aide says it's all right we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna this synopsis a lot all right all right so anyway so then the, he says they're okay as the troop is arguing in this room about whether or not they should just leap pack up and leave town the first wife locks them in the room pours like kerosene or something under the door and sets it on fire everybody in the room dies except for like one person we find out later who becomes the phantom of the theater and it's the fiance so no, it's not the fiance. It's the, the fiance's sister is still alive. No, but the fiance also is alive. He's the one who becomes the phantom. The guy. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, but the, the fiance's sister had gone out to steal something while the fire was going on. And that's why she wasn't in the room at the time. Okay. So it was way more cute than it sounds. Right. So going forward, like 13 years later, the son of the commandant has become a script writer and would be filmmaker. The younger sister who did not die in the fire uh, has become an actress. And the commander is still a commander, but is estranged from his son. 
And then, okay, so the script writer gives his script to the actress because he saved her from being roofied by a producer. Which, <laughs> and she, but she takes then roofies script. herself. And re- <laughs> she like, takes let's not gloss over that. He's like, hey, don't drink that. It's roofied. And then she looks him dead in the eyes, drinks it, and makes him take her home. Yeah, but after she says, oh, here's my boyfriend. Come to collect me. Thanks, yeah. producer man. And then drinks it as like a show of... As, as if pretending she didn't know that the wine was drugged. He takes her home, gets her home safely. She takes the script the next day, says, I want to make this movie with you. So then the producer wants to make the movie because she's a a money-making person. No, the producer wants to pay. <laughs> well, that also. But she's also a box office draw. So they start making the movie in the theater. The leading man... Gets killed in, by the in ghost. The theater, in the theater in which uh, the acrobat family was killed years before. Yes. Right, right. The haunted theater. By coincidence, the scriptwriter has decided to write a script about a troop of acrobats who dies in a theater and becomes haunted. <laughs> doesn't um, and that's why he wants to film there. Doesn't really seem to. He, didn't seem to anyone else like he didn't really recognize that theater, like he had just stumbled upon it. Like. Oh, what is this? I'm just discovering this for the first time, even though he was there the night a bunch of people died. I don't know. It's very <laughs> unclear. So people keep dying in the theater. The coroner is the scriptwriter's girlfriend, and she's puzzling over it because it seems to be in uh, spontaneous combustion. They start burning from the inside. Um, and the scriptwriter and the ingenue fall in love. But the ingenue kind of pitches herself at his father, and it turns out it's all a plot with, between the that the the ingenue is actually you know the girl, one of the acrobats who's who is one of the acrobats, and the whole thing was to lure the commander back for the premiere of the movie so that they could so- kill him as revenge for killing the acrobat troop because they think he was the one who ordered the fire to be set. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, now, keep in mind that this <laughs> plot is entirely contingent on the fiancé staying in this theater for 13 years. Okay, no, you have so- to read the way David wrote it in the Slack. Okay, the, all right, here we go. The show talk. Uh, Quote, wait, so their plan was to get her to be a known and recognizable film starlet, have her meet the warlord's son, who they will hope to just have written a movie uh, or who will have just wrote a movie script for a film that can be filmed in a creepy old abandoned theater that he needs a lead actress for. But his first choice will reject him on site and then murder the star and fiancier to impede uh, production when their goal is for him to complete the film and get his father there. Yeah, oh, check them on site, and then they murder the star and the financier. Why? Why do they do? Why do they do? What is this plan? <laughs> what is it? What is it? Because well, they, they murder a lot of people. They murder the old hobo at the beginning of the movie for no reason. They act like at the end of this movie, they act like, haha, it's all gone perfectly. Everything we've done <laughs> makes sense. Nothing they did at any point in this movie makes any sense. And why? <laughs> kill the star 
why if you want the male the, star of the movie right, yeah. the male star of the movie if the if you want the guy there why are you making it harder for him to make this movie maybe it's because they know that he will then take the lead which will force them to grow a much strengthier strengthier is a word now <laughs> uh, bond he did uh why did they and, and kind of cheat on his girlfriend, the coroner, because let's back up that coroner we talked about. So this guy's girlfriend, a woman who I was pretty sure uh, was going to not appear in the film again at a certain point. I was just kind of like, wait, doesn't he have a girlfriend? No one's mentioned her for quite some time. I was certain she was never going to appear in the film <laughs> again. But she yeah. shows up in the at the end so she can dump him. So you think that the. Right. So you think that he'll be free to have, an, you know, to go off with the starlet. But no, <laughs> this yeah. doesn't happen. This guy who wants to make this movie gets so punished at the end for <laughs> nothing that he was. This is I fun. know he was a 12 year old boy at the time. And he's so earnest about making this movie <sighs> and he yeah. wants to be good and he wants it to be good for his father. Like, so his father will have like a pride in him and he wants his dad to see it. And yeah, he's just, he's and at the end, his girlfriend leaves him and the woman that he fell in love with, who he was tricked to fall in love with also leaves him. So this guy is just like. And he no. finds out that his mother is a murderer. Oh yeah. His mom yeah. that he like has been thinking that killed. Her she son. was a saint. Yeah. It was like the <laughs> saint killed her or uh, killed all these people. But I love like when the guy finds that out the the uh, the guy the, the guy who was living in the theater he was like eh, well uh, well it's still your dad's fault be- because yeah he's still <laughs> determined because he's had this plan for so long he's not going to let a little thing like it being the wrong person being punished stop him from implementing it I would have loved it. he was just like <laughs> oh geez really it wasn't you oh man I am so sorry. Oh, geez. Well, you guys get out of here, you know. Uh, and I guess I just can't wrap my head around the idea that he lives in this theater for 13 years. Yeah. For where is he getting food? There 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 is no plumbing in there that seem that I can tell. This place is very run down. It's it's been abandoned for 10 years. No one's apparently there's electricity at some point. Um Yeah, the guy, wouldn't, he, wouldn't it be easier to take it revenge if you left? <laughs> couldn't he have done revenging a lot sooner building. he's capable of leaving the building to go find food and right but does know, he <laughs> go to the bathroom we don't know i think he he spends most of his time there because he's kept all the ashes of all his family members he swept them all into one big pile in a crib box yeah <laughs> it's not even a box no let's not call it a box it is a literal crypt where did he get that Put them into basically a sarcophagus. Why does this place have a dungeon? Like, I have so many questions about the way this movie. Because th- let's let's like first of all, let's not be mistaken. This place has a giant sign plastered on the front that says "movie theater." Well, the guy yeah. who owns it want tried to revive it, right? Yeah, but but it's also not really a movie theater. It's more of a. It's it more. Been- 20s yeah wouldn't yeah it's more well tailored for live performances hence the acrobats and like it has like lots of really dungeony places underneath it with, yes with oh, also made out of stage understage above the stage above the areas uh, <laughs> that are all like it's like there's like a mile underground uh 
he also kills that other actress, right? The um, the one who appears at the beginning that like that the the son wanted to be the star of his movie. Uh, doesn't he just drive yeah. her away? I don't well, think she. She she attacks. Uh, she attacks. Um. Uh, the the like the uh, the main actress of the movie, and she right. like stabs her with something, and she like goes hiding. She goes like running into the the dungeon, and then comes across the the phantom. Are you talking about when she's in a shy guy mask, yeah. and then she also finds the phantom in the same shy guy mask? Yes. yes. So the, the seconds so there a follow up that I missed. Okay. The the jealous <laughs> actress is uh, Pan Ruyu. Mm. And she's, um, she has won the Film Queen Award, the first ever Film Queen oh. Award. Ah, yes. Um, but she's jealous because she thinks Sifan, the the actress who's in the in the, the movie, um, she attacks her because she thinks that Sifan is trying to quote steal her man who is the rich producer who's been trying to assault Sifan, basically, who tried to roofie her and tries to assault her later. Um, Yeah, I don't... She she disguises herself as a phantom and attacks Sifan and, like, tries to choke her. And then How does she know what the phantom looks like? (laughs) I don't know. Sifan finds this handy stake that's just lying around nearby in a pile. It's a haunted... (laughs) A haunted theater. I, I understood that part. I was okay with that. Right. So she stabs Ruyu in the side with the stake, and then I'm not sure what. Shoulder. She gets like in the shoulder. Uh, right. Yeah. But then she gets caught by the phantom. So she's she's a goner. And then and then never referred to again. Right. right. The phantom has his magic internal combustion garlic powder. Right. What garlic <laughs> is a part of this? Oh, boy. Uh, and let's also dial back one moment on the whole film queen thing. Keep in mind oh. that Sifan uh, <laughs> um, well, is her name, the lead actress of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That she is in pure 1930s misogyny. They really do nail that if that's the time period. Uh, she's given the most photogenic award, yes. which they just invent on the spot, apparently. Um right. She's super pretty, and the producer wants her to know that he thinks she's super pretty, so they make up an award to give her. They're in China at this time. Uh, okay, like we haven't. No, this isn't our doc or anything, but we've kind of joked about, it, talked about it in our Slack. There are a lot of uh, tropes that this movie. Oh yeah, I want to say oh, bar, sure. just straight up steals. Like this is all remind very reminiscent. Uh, I mean, it's called the Phantom of the Theater. First of all. Uh, yeah. Fan of the opera is all over this. This is kind of reminiscent of like singing in the rain a little bit. <laughs> Wait, what? Because <laughs> there's like the the well-established actress who's a real like diva, and there's like the less no. Okay, look, it made sense in my head just a few seconds ago. <laughs> I'm not making a whole lot. Of, I, I I'm the sober one of this group right now. No. <laughs> uh, the Bob Dylan whiskey. Um, yeah, but there's also like the the haunted. Uh, Ghost twins, right? We got that going on. What? <laughs> right. So there's this allusion to the shining. Yeah. Because, because yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, but it turns out that the, I guess the ghosts that people see are like hallucinations brought on from the powder. But but that, but no, because the powder would kill you. Right. So they haven't had the powder. In fact, the ghosts are never really okay. explained. But that's why well, the, that's why the hobo sees the ghosts, though, is because the powder. Is it? Or yeah, because as he's running ghosts? into the theater, it he the powder gets drifted into his nose, I guess, and then he starts seeing ghosts coming out of the big jars and the. But no one else. Theater. No one else has any of that just before they die. Oh, I don't know. I don't yeah, know I why mean, people see the ghosts. Okay. This is what so, I so don't understand. The ghosts, when it was if it was just her seeing these ghosts, I could actually forgive it because then it's like, okay, she's tortured by these memories that she's seeing things, like she's messed up. That's fine. But the fact that so Stefan, like, you're talking about, yeah, Stefan, okay. yeah, only. But the fact that the old hobo sees the ghosts throws all of that out immediately. I thought it was because he got dosed with the powder, so he was hallucinating before he died. So it's actually not really clear if this movie has ghosts or not. It does. There's no ghosts. But are there? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's people's <laughs> imagination. I get sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? why not? Considering there was fire, why not dose the, the general when he's sitting down? She's right there. She could do it. Well, but th- that is the classic, like, and we talked about this many right. times. Yeah, I mean, the Phantom's in the rafters. He could he could dose him easily. Right, they, right. But I, I think of our conversation we just recently had with uh, the bodyguard, which is there's a million different ways that this bad bodyguard can kill Whitney Houston, <laughs> but none of them are as dramatic as how he attempts to at the Oscars. <laughs> none of them are quite as dramatic as the Phantom of the Theater yanking down the big screen with a hostage. <laughs> so, okay. Here's another thing. He had a million opportunities to take this guy's kid. Just nab him. Just kidnap him. Why yeah. not do that and be like, hey, I'm going to kill your kid if you don't come to this theater. Don't be near as cool. Because I mean, yeah, yeah oh, well, they'll, they'll pull a military operation. It was already a military operation. There was a, a million guys with guns who all disappeared in seconds. Yeah, the, where did they all go? All guns. <laughs> they are not relevant to that scene anymore. Um, I also like Nicole. You said never refer to a better movie in the script for your movie. Yes. Which are, which movie are you talking about here? There are at least, well, I guess at least three references here. One, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, two, The Shining, with the twin girl ghost girls holding hands on stage and scaring somebody else. And three and singing then, in the rain. No. <laughs> the third, when the coroner, who is the girlfriend of the scriptwriter, when she is brought the body of the thief slash hobo, who is the first person to die at the hand of the phantom, um, she's doing the examination and a detective comes in from the police department to talk to her. And so she's talking to detective and his, his name is Ma. And when her boyfriend, the screenwriter comes in, she introduces the detective as detective D and detective, Mr. Detective. And he called him Mr. D. No, no. She introduces him as detective D 
And Detective D is a reference to a famous Tang Dynasty official called Detective D, who was also the protagonist in a series of crime novels that started in like the 1800s. Um, so some of them would have been published before the time in which the movie is set. But she's actually making an anachronistic reference to a 2010 movie by Choi Hook um, called Detective D in the Mystery of the Phantom Flame, in which two officials mysteriously erupt into flames and die. This is a deep so, cut, boy. This is yes. a very deep cut. <laughs> but I would strongly recommend it's actually a fairly famous film on the in the Chinese film world. Uh, Detective D in the Mystery of the Phantom Flame, starring Andy Lau, who is this huge star in China. Um, I would actually recommend it. It's a lot of fun. It's better than this movie. <laughs> All right. That was the third one I was referring to. <laughs> uh, and is there any way to avoid talking about the quality of the CG? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, no so it's, not. it's sci-fi original movie bad. Um, there's just, there's so much yeah. like when I, when I think of like, con- like, you know, the, the Chinese filmmaking has obviously come a long way. But yeah. I think they're still like as far as like CGI goes, they're still pretty far behind us. On but for- they've, they've been putting people in fire suits since at least the 1970s. Oh, they, yeah. I don't think they ever actually light somebody on fire. Maybe like once. You know what's a lot cheaper though? Doing it with computers <laughs> and <laughs> I, a lot safer. And it looks cheaper. So. It does. Oh, like yeah, but one, then there's there's. I'm sorry, they, Nicole. Go ahead. No, when they kill the lead of the movie, the lead is like doing a scene with the leading lady, and he's like sniffing a, a cherry tree, and he gets a dose of the the magic powder that will burn him from the inside, and he like bends backward like Neo dodging bullets and <laughs> freezes in place in complete defiance of all physics, and then bursts into flames. So he's like bent over backwards in flames, like really bad flames. You need so little of this stuff to kill you that like just the fact that it's hanging out in the air murders so many people. So many people just standing on that set would be dead. Yeah, I mean, have you ever been to a theater and seen, you know, they put a spotlight on and you see all the particles floating through the beam of light? It's like that yeah. stuff would be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so many more people like the fact that like, that stuff is so hyper localized. It is insane. <laughs> all you need is one sniff and it makes you it. it, it the great. Here's the great part. It doesn't. We don't know what ignites it. That's an area. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that makes the least sense <laughs> oxygen i laughed because i'm like I, I was just laughing because i'm like none of this makes sense why well, i'm like well this is here's the really crazy part because this has been crazy the whole time maybe it, it's, it's crap maybe it's sodium powder and once it gets far enough into like the moisture of your lungs it bursts into flame right, but we, we test it with fire though right <laughs> it up <laughs> uh so when the coroner discovers this on fire Right. When the coroner discovers this, she puts it under a little, you know, uh, burner and size that real quick. Okay. And yeah, it's, it's near her. She doesn't breathe it in. It's the, this is apparently an airborne pathogen. She puts up a glass, like a screen between her and the, the burner when she burns it. The 1930s. 
it's fairly <laughs> decent chemistry protocol. She's got gloves on. I think it's the first test she does. Like, ah, it bursts into flames. <laughs> uh, perhaps I should not sniff it. Yeah. I was going to <laughs> going to try eating it next. Good thing I <laughs> Good thing I didn't do that one. Uh, and here's the thing with the effects, though. Uh, it's not just that they're bad. It's that they they go so gung ho with how bad it is. And I I appreciate that about this movie. I kind of love that about this movie, that it, <laughs> it doubles down on its effects budget. That was already very it- low and just goes to town with it. There are full scenes of like hallucinations of an entire like acrobatic troupe and there's magic dust floating around and there's like mm-hmm. green fl- fire and there's some there's some ghosts that are very clearly people in green suits walking like zombies like apparently if you're a ghost you're also now slow in this movie and i'm here for all of it it is yeah. so bad and i the love it reaching through the mirror Here's the thing. Oh yes, and and then keep in mind the hand doesn't just reach through the mirror; it then pulls her into like this existential mirror realm, where right. she has to pull herself back out of the mirror, and all of it looks like it was done for Sharknado. And I love. <laughs> I that. was just about to say that they're right about it. Sharknado level effect. But yeah. Here's the here's the problem for me though. It's because like when you talk about those movies that are so bad they're good. Usually those are the yeah. movies that someone was earnestly trying to make a really good movie they were trying really hard and they just have they are so inept at what they're doing <laughs> that you get the room uh or the, birdemic or birdemic then there's ones that are bad just because they're bad because people didn't care and that, that shows through. i think that's what happens to most of the sci-fi original ones the ones where they lean into the ridiculousness can get okay, but then you end up with like Sharknado 6 and we don't need any of that crap. I think no. the problem for this one is like, it wasn't so bad that it was good for me. It was like, there's, this could have been a lot better with a little bit more polish. There's obviously some people, you know, the acting's, the, the dialogue's not good, uh, but the acting's not terrible and no. it's it's competently shot. It's just like, you, there's stuff here that could have worked so well but where they misfire just kind of really ruins the whole thing. Though I do, I think one of the other redeeming things for me is I find the erratic, and I talked about this earlier, the erratic like music and color palette are very satisfying to me. Really um, nice in this movie, actually. Oh, I, I love yeah. movies that look like Eddie Murphy's Haunted Mansion. Like just throw like neon oh. blues, purples, and greens at me. No, this and- is this is better. This is it's very art deco, but with a Chinese color palette. What if Eddie Murphy just walked on the set of it? Like I would have at that at that point, I would have been like amazing, perfect, ten out of ten. Just Eddie Murphy showed up. Just goes everywhere. I can't take it, but tomorrow we're making waffles. <laughs> better movie better movie doesn't this movie read to you like a chinese director saw bad american film and was like i can do that because it just feels american like the incompetence is really something that only we can create if he saw the bad american film and said i can do better i believe that that would be this movie okay i just feel like I'm so used to seeing really so bad American films. Yip. 
I just right. I, yeah, and I, this is this is among them. Like this is it, it. Like the the writing is so stilted and awkward and bad. It just feels like something I would see at two in the morning on FX. Though <laughs> I haven't watched a ton of Chinese movies, and I'm sure people can direct me to ones that have much better, more subtle writing. The ones that I'm only familiar with really are Stephen Chow movies. Uh, yeah. which are very on purpose stilted ridiculous dialogue so and they're great they're they're so great uh brett have you seen any of those have you seen like kung fu hustle or the mermaid or anything? no no i never have shaolin soccer buddy that's all right we've got, we've got two movies yeah <laughs> yeah on the around the world picks very good oh i thought i was the only one who'd seen the mermaid Oh, oh, excellent. So great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just bust out laughing really hard. All right. So just, just I, I need to read to you from my favorite review that I found for this movie. Um, and reminding you that for some reason, for no reason, but just so that she can, it all smells alike. The powder, the magic powder smells like garlic. Uh, so, and only so that the coroner can decide that they were all killed the same way. Um, so this is a review from Chris Sawin of examiner.com dated October 17th, 2016. And the quote is as follows. Brief moments of greatness ruined by the overwhelming downpour of mediocrity you're forced to conquer just to reach the film's meaningless finale. But Phantom of the Theater does leave you with the question of, do ghost farts smell like garlic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. That. I was just, oh god, this movie. <laughs> are there any are there any acting performances that are redeemable? I, d- I actually like the guy who plays the the screenwriter. Oh yeah, no, I um, did. Uh, Tony Young. Tony Yang. Yeah, and Simon Yam who plays his father. Simon Yam makes everything better. He's he's in like a million Chinese and Hong Kong movies, and he's yeah. Almost, he always he, brings gusto to his roles. He was an Ip Man. Uh, Almost, almost a little bit of of chewery, uh, uh, scenery chewing from him at oh, a couple. Sure. Minutes, but uh, I was happy for that. <laughs> how old do you think in real life the actress that plays Sifan is? Oh gosh, she looks like twenty six. So I'm going to say thirty six. Okay, Brett. Yeah, yes. yeah, like early thirties. Uh, Forty two. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. She Welcome to Asia. Yeah. Which, which is Everyone a... is younger than you think. <laughs> older yeah, the guy playing the screenwriter was 34. Wow. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. You never see that in American films where you have the lead actress be almost 10 years older than the uh, male counterpart. So. Uh, so <laughs> um and another question is you you brought up the dad played by Simon Yeah. Yam. Okay. Well, really, Yam is correct. You were right on that one, right? You weren't about to miss. <laughs> you were fine. <laughs> yam just sounded so aggressively American. Um. Okay. I'm in Yam. Yam. So, is he kind of a good dad at the end of this movie? Like, a good dad, kinda. I mean, he was a. He got his son an acrobatic performance for his birthday. Yeah. He, Right, but like so I mean that's like classic war warlord. <laughs> well, do the really over the top ostentatious thing for your child. But he, that you're he also covers, 
he covers up for his he takes the fall for his wife's crime so right. his son won't think poorly of his mother. Yeah, right. Old, That's why old. I actually think that toward the end and at the end of this movie, his dad's like, Wow, my son's so him. talented. No, his yeah, this is this guy is a good dad. I mean, we don't we're only ever told, oh, he's evil. He's, a he's not a great dad, right? Like he does discourage him from his dreams and all that stuff. Sure. I suppose someone, yeah. someone had to pay for him to go off to, fr to France for three years and learn <laughs> filmmaking. So it couldn't have been that bad. He had the phantom guy back before he was all burned up in the face uh, being like, oh, he's a bad man. He's a warmonger, evil guy. But how? They don't ever tell us how. We don't ever see in the movie. He gets his son. I mean, yeah, sure. He's got many wives. It was a different time in a different country. I can't speak to the, <laughs> the era, uh, but he gets his son a performance that he loves. And then like when they mess it up, yeah, you know, he's not like the greatest guy in the world, but he's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to have my guy yell at you and then you're off the hook, but I'm also going to take your fiance. That has nothing to do with my son. And then like, I don't know. He protects his, he likes, he likes his son a lot. He's a good dad. Yeah. yeah and also, he is on to Sifan's whole shtick. Yeah. Which... He comes to him and says, hey, let's get married. I'm a hot actress. And he says, that's cool. I need a six wife. And he knew in that exchange that she was the child that wasn't at the acrobatic performance, but was part of the overall group that was ultimately going to turn on both him and his son to get ultimate revenge for the family tragedy that happened 13 years ago. Like, like right. he knew about all this. You obviously want revenge on me. I'm going to go along with it. I'm going to play <laughs> right into your hands. Everybody in this movie. <laughs> because why? We don't know. They're just so bored. Everybody's just so bored. It's like, right. oh, 30s, everything sucks. I don't know. I guess we'll just do elaborate revenge plots on one another. But also, also Sifan has this weird retribution at the end of the, not retribution. Um, that would have been, what, I guess, what she was going for. But she certainly has this like redemption, rather, at the end of the movie, where she writes him a, a nice letter and says, hey, you're... The screenwriter, she writes the letter. Right, the screenwriter. Your bad movie taught me revenge is bad. Um, uh, it's like, hey, yeah, yeah, double dumped is basically what she wrote in there. <laughs> right. We get all excited. You know, the, the viewer is meant to get all excited when the coroner breaks up with the screenwriter because then the screenwriter's free to go off with the actress who he fell in love with during the shooting of the movie. And but the actress leaves him a letter saying, Hey, now that I'm not keen on revenge anymore, I'm going to go see what life is like when I'm not driven by vengeance. So I got to basically it's like I need to go find myself. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this guy punished for following the dreams. <laughs> yeah. Punished for nothing. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think now if there's anything. I mean. I'm I'm gonna hold it against him for going after a different lady while he currently has his coroner lady. That's not cool. But yeah, other like, than that, yeah, that's not great. But yeah. other than that, he doesn't do quite maybe the things that warrant him ending up in the hospital at least twice in this movie. 
Can we also yeah. talk about the way the Phantom commits suicide? <laughs> oh yes, please, <laughs> please. It's so. This is this is like a. This is a hallmark of a lot of. It's, he just keeps. Let me coming. say. Let me say this. This is something that East Asian movies do extremely well. They do melodrama. Oh yeah. Super well. He copies himself with his own powder and then and, <laughs> and <yeah>. falls into <laughs> the of his family's ashes. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. He, he suicides by, by internal combustion powder and falls backward into the sarcophagus full of ashes. Okay. Talking about the movie in this context has totally changed my view on it. I'm kind of coming around to Brett's way of thinking of it. If it were 15 minutes shorter, oh man, I think I would have enjoyed this movie <laughs> a lot more. At this point, I think I put this in the stack where I'm like, the movie's over and there's still 15 minutes. <laughs> like the logical conclusion of the plot happens. Right. <laughs> still going. And what I love about the scene when he finally dies is that if you look closely at his body, when he falls into the crypt, the camera lingers on him for a solid 10 seconds and you can see the man in the green suit just uncomfortably moving around and trying to get comfortable and it's great go back and rewatch it it's on netflix so it doesn't cost yeah, anything yeah. and it's just a, it's so perfectly bad and i adore it i absolutely adore it now the twist that, it, that it's not actually supernatural does it enhance or ultimately detract from the movie when we do find out that this was all just an elaborate vengeance plot and um, the ghosts are hallucinations? Sure. Yeah. For me, it just, I don't know. It started to kind of lose something when it started to all be real. And now oh, here's this elaborate revenge murder plot. I'm like, I'm more, I'm more interested in this actually being a haunted theater. Me too. Me too. And yeah. I also think the ambiguity, uh, or, you know, the ambiguity, the ambiguity, it's it's late, guys. Um, the ambiguity. Remember, Brett is the one who has not been drinking. No, I haven't been drinking. Brett has. No, I got oh, my Bob okay. Dylan whiskey right here. Um, yep. <laughs> and I've only been sipping. So uh, the, the ambiguity <laughs> of this movie, I think that does detract from it because we aren't sure whether I mean, I guess there's not ghosts and that's what it wants to tell us. But there's also reason to believe that maybe there were because of the man at the beginning of the movie the hobo and that's not good that's bad that's bad filmmaking it starts with a classic horror movie death right where you have someone alone in a vulnerable position and like something bad happens to them uh and like you you know you have the police don't want to go in there because they hear it's haunted so have other people spontaneously combusted in there why is it considered haunted (laughs) <laughs> well, because keep in mind, as soon as the homeless man runs in to the building and dies and the police are like, oh, it's haunted. We can't go in. Then all the lights turn on and like music starts playing like the whole phantom of the theater is really making a whole, a whole show out of this. He has a beautiful line of dialogue. I don't believe in ghosts. Like he says literally that to no one, to no to this empty theater. Like, hey, by the way, audience, I don't believe in ghosts. <laughs> what? It's the noise that makes when the ghosts come out. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite sequence of the movie is the weird, like, ghost slash. Like, we go into like the thirty-minute flashback, right? Which is where you thought the movie should have ended. 
and no, it's it, like after that it's like it's around when he commits suicide there's still like 10 oh okay sure sure to happen but it does this really intense over the top um like scene creation of the flashback of the all the performers starting to perform and all that good stuff and it starts with just the screenwriter or the filmmaker standing in the theater this all building around him like this was supposed to be really grand and beautiful and intense and have lots of colors and it's like two of those things and i love the scene for it because it tries so hard it really does i do believe the movie the people who made this movie cared I have to read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia because if you haven't read it, it's beautiful. Uh, a haunted theater filled with the vengeful spirits of a tragically trapped performance troupe murdered in a fire 13 years ago waits for the once grand palatial playhouse to reopen to a new show, dot, 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 and bring in new victims, dot, dot, dot. Yes, the Phantom of the Theater. almost as if we read that at the very beginning of the okay. show. <laughs> but it goes on. The Phantom of the Theater depicts a tragic love story between hot film star Mang Si <laughs> and young director Gu Weibang, the son of the warlord Gu Mingshan. So I really should just read that second line. But I love <laughs> hot film star and young yeah. director. <laughs> well, she did win what Miss Photogenic or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Or whatever. Well, I mean, oh, you know, Ruby Lin the uh, is definitely pretty, you know, and the 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 young director uh, Gu Weibang, played by Tony Yang, it d- thumbs up for him, honestly. Uh, well, one, one thing I do <laughs> want to tell you guys is I'm right with her on that one. Something that this movie has uh, given me, which I wouldn't have had if we hadn't watched it, is the more like this section on IMDb, and. <laughs> Oh, God. So to, the, the man who plays the screenwriter is in another movie called The House That Never Dies. And it is a story based on the legendary mansion in Beijing, which local legend says is haunted by the ghost of an official's wife who committed suicide in the home around the time of the Cultural Revolution. The film follows a woman whose presence in the notorious mansion draws up spirits that have taken residence there. I'm watching this now. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so in on this. Um, one other quick thing I do want to mention, and I just remembered it by reading the words cultural revolution. Um, I do like that at, at the very beginning of this movie, it tries to poke a little bit at early Chinese censorship as much as it can without being censored by new, by new Chinese censorship. Right. Um, right. Like, I mean, look at how progressive we are now. We we allow ghosts in our movies. Yeah, I I actually don't know the the logistics of if you're making your film in Hong Kong, if if you're not quite subject to as much of that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's a whole scene where they where they're saying you can't have ghosts, and he says, but the ghosts are an artistic metaphor or something like that. Yeah. Well, I I think he argues about. Oh gosh, something something about science and how all life ends and you now it's an accepted cultural Yeah. Not a, not an accepted cultural fact, but you know, a widespread cultural acceptance that there is an another world after this one or some such. 
So, right, because the, right. And it's to get around the law that says uh, censorship laws say films cannot promote superstitions and aberrations. Yeah. So in November 1930, the legislative yuan uh, promulgated a film censorship law requiring four types of motion picture contents be edited, removed, or banned. Anything that hurts the pride of the Chinese people, violates three principles of the people, impedes good morality or violates public order, and advocates superstition and heresy. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, this is, you know, just barely, I, I think the last days of imperial China were the, the early 19-teens. So this is very shortly as, as China's changing tremendously culturally with huge, excuse me, huge influence from the West, clearly. And uh, I'll, I'll end on this discussion topic as as we're now wrapping down and we've moved through our docket. Uh, well, actually, two more things. First, uh, this is obviously subtitled. There are no dubs to this movie. Uh, it's in Mandarin. Uh, was that how was that for you guys? I felt the subtitles made bad writing even more obvious to me. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, you with a movie like this, it's going to get translated. That's why I have a hard time really judging the dialogue because like they yeah it's like it's farmed out to someone else who just like makes the most literal easiest translation they can and not somebody who's like no no i want to get the intent of the the writing across right that's a very good point like what is lost in translation i would be curious it did make me pay a lot more attention to this movie than i probably would have honestly if it was (laughs) in english yeah yeah, this is not exactly something you can just turn on and play at work. <laughs> nope. um, you got to watch it. So I suppose that's a good thing. And then I guess we'll end on Nicole's final thing in our discussion topic. Insert Ryan Reynolds, but why meme here? And I, I yeah, but why? <laughs> yeah, that's, yep. I mean, that's, that's what was going through my head most of the time. It's like, what, there are... Goodness knows how many adaptations of the Phantom of the Opera. The most recent famous one being like 2004, I think, with Gerard Butler, uh, directed by Jules Schumacher. By the way, that's a oh, it is, it is so Schumachery. <laughs> like it's, it's a like, hot mess and a half. The fact that uh, that Gerard Butler's Phantom doesn't have nipples on the outside of his shirt is really just—it's surprising. <laughs> Well, guys, I do want to say, but why clearly never stop this director? Because I just figured out that the house that never dies is the same director and the same writers. And uh, has Ruby Lin in it who played. uh, Yes, it has basically it's basically the same movie. And then also there's the house that never dies reawakening. So basically, they're just going to name these like the Resident Evil movies. Um, I can't wait. (laughs) Right. Which is I'm called waiting. The House That Never Dies Reawakening. I'm waiting for Phantom of the Theater uh, to Ghosts of the Playhouse. I'll be here for it. I am going into this weird genre of this man's bad horror uh, thriller movies. I'll update back. But let's go around the table, <laughs> see where we can find everybody else. Uh, well, first of all, would you guys recommend this to who and why? I would if, you like, if you're like me. And I feel like if you've if you've listened to this show, you know if you know if you're gonna fall in my camp. If this is bad, bad good enough for you, and you get amusement out of the same things I do, you're gonna enjoy this movie. This is a hard one for me to recommend to anybody, to be perfectly honest. Um, oh, I don't know. I think yeah, maybe what Brett said. 
But then again, you have to be dedicated to watching a movie with subtitles. <laughs> if you speak Mandarin, are you describing like if this if you don't have to pay attention to this movie? Uh-huh. Yeah, if, pretty if much. If you're learning Mandarin, but no, because then you really have to pay attention. Yeah. No, I I actually know a couple of people who do speak Mandarin. Um, if you were, that- we're not born in China or raised in Chinese families. And, you know, if you if you speak Mandarin or if you are from a Chinese family and we're, you know, we're born speaking Mandarin, it, then this is I, w- I would say it's fine to put it on in the background. It's pretty in a lot of places. You know, there are good looking people in it. If you get that head trauma that lets you speak <laughs> Mandarin, then yeah, you are. <laughs> that magical thing that happens. Dad does. I don't know if Mandarin, but sometimes <laughs> people start speaking whole other languages. It's super rare. Don't start hitting your head on a wall thinking it's going to happen. <laughs> but just in case it has Damn happened. It. Yeah. There were my plans for Saturday. Uh, oh. Great. Well, David, where can people find you online? You have all sorts of witty stuff on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> witty. I don't know. Uh, claiming that Adrian Grenier needs to be playing Namor in the MCU is witty, but uh, you can follow <laughs> these rantings uh, at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. So Twitter and Instagram, you can find me there and also on the Brokebot Mountain podcast. You got to hope they at least invited the guy to the Aquaman premiere, right? I Just there. It, <laughs> oh, I am. We don't have time. The podcast is over. I could go for a lot longer. I know. We'll see you later at the Entourage movie sometime this Oh, this year, good probably. God. I don't even know if I can do that to you guys. No, please no. Yeah, no, no, please don't. Uh, that's probably going to be in the list now. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, where can people find you? Um. Well, give me one second right here. Somebody vamp, please, because I need to clear my throat. So here's the thing about uh, Entourage movies. Like, look, I know it's not <laughs> a good movie. I'm well aware of that fact. But I, there's something. Yeah, yeah, we'll never have to watch it. It's fine. <laughs> you can find me taking care of our Facebook page. Thank you. <laughs> you can find me taking care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviegoroundpodcast, uh, letterboxed, and Nicole underscore Davis, or on Twitter, uh, which I'm just barely getting back to now after taking a long hiatus for the sake of my mental and emotional health. Uh, under at your word whiz, that's Y O U R W O R D W H I Z. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can also find the show at TiltingWindmillStudios.com and you can reach out to us on Twitter. Again, apparently you guys will do that. It is Twitter.com slash movie go round pod. We will be back next week and we will be watching. David, refresh me while I'm watching. Looper. Looper. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you then. 